This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. Shane, you shared with us this morning during our leadership team meeting some conversations that you had at a National Carrier Council meeting earlier this week. And I think some of the ideas that people were asking about and people were talking about are so relevant to our listeners. For clarity, so that I don't get in trouble from the uh, NDA agreement that I signed, these are sidebar conversations with peer group agency owners at breaks and things like that. This was not like carrier council meeting subject matter. And it was amazing just the different things that I heard. But then there was this really common theme of everybody asking everyone, what are you doing about remote work, hybrid work, bringing people? people back into the office. And it was unique to me because as you know, Tanya, we never stopped coming into the office during COVID. Our people just kept coming. We closed our lobby for six or eight weeks, kind of with the pattern of the banks, but we're a main street business in small towns and our offices are on main street. We just never stopped. And so it's, we're kind of at the reverse of this was what I realized is there's a lot of folks that are in metro suburban areas. They didn't have storefronts. Everybody went home and now they're trying to bring them back in the office. And, you know, the theme of, well, I can't get anybody to come into the office on Monday or Fridays, or I can't get anybody to come into the office more than one day a week. First of all, that was kind of foreign to me. And then I started thinking about it going, okay, maybe we're not the norm. Like I'm sitting here in my East Texas small town community thinking that what we do is normal, but I think I left that meeting over a couple of days with roughly 12 to 14 of our peers going, oh my gosh, we're in the minority. The normal is everybody's still working from home or everybody's working from home 50 to 80% of the time. And man, I've got to get my head around this because I don't want to be caught off guard competing for people and talent and us not have this plan for what the future of work actually looks like. We were in Houston a few weeks ago and it was actually a topic of conversation that came up between my husband and I that we were so shocked at the amount of money that we spent on tolls getting from place A to place B. And we were talking about that if you lived in Houston and you had the opportunity to work remotely, then all of a sudden you've given yourself a pretty substantial raise by being able to do that. So I can understand why people in toll heavy urban areas aren't really wanting to go back to spending that kind of money. Traffic in general, hour long commutes or longer. I get this. Let me say this, even though I'm from a small rural area, I get the whole concept. Uh, I do have a daughter teaching in a metro area. I do have a daughter spending 80 plus dollars a month on tolls. Sounds kind of crazy, but that's the real figure. So it's a real thing and it doesn't include just the opportunity or time lost of one way hour long commutes. So you get two hours back a day 
plus gas plus $80 a month, $100 a month in toll charges, what does that equal? I haven't put the pencil to it, but it's not nothing. It's a lot. And we're not even hitting on the mental side of it. Just the family time, you're home earlier, you get to take the kids to school maybe instead of sticking them on a bus. I mean, there's so many things that come out of this concept. I hate that it took a pandemic to get us here, but now we're here. And now this is the marketplace. And what are we going to do about it as employers, as managers, as leaders? How are we going to do this? And what does this look like going forward? You were on the cutting edge of this years ago, back when we called it telecommuting. We had one of the members of our leadership team that she's worked from home or done some form of hybrid for 20 years or so? At least. Yes, that's correct. So we had the situation before it really became a problem, but it's the same thing that I think we're going to be moving into for those that want to go back to what it was. I just want to be like it was before COVID. We had this staring in our face 20 plus years ago when we had a very, very incredibly talented young employee whose husband was transferred to a job three hours away to Houston and they moved. And we were faced with the question of, is there any way to keep her and let her work from home? And we figured it out and she did well. And then when she moved back to East Texas, they actually moved to an area that's about a 40 minute commute. And the question was, okay, do I need to come to the office or can I just keep doing what I'm doing? Well, we made the decision to just allow her to keep doing what she was doing. And that's been a decade ago. So she is actually a very unique situation in that she actually lives in the county that our offices are based out of. She works from home two to three days a week and she comes to different offices a couple of times a week because she has staff that she oversees and leads in those various offices. And so she kind of has this hybrid thing going before we even thought about hybrid. And now we're here and we're going, okay, what does this look like for everybody? Is this right that it's really just the Pensacola, Florida-based people? Or should the Huntington-based people have some flexibility here too? And how do we do this? And well, what about Main Street? What about retail storefront? How do we work through this pot or stew of information to go, how do we come out with policy that makes a lot of sense, that's both equitable and really puts us on the forefront of talent acquisition over the next decade? Because work isn't going back. It's not going to happen. One of the things I found so interesting this morning during our leadership team meeting is you made reference to the conversation that agencies were having difficulty finding people to come into the office on Monday and Friday. And the majority of our team was shocked by this. And I think that having a husband that very much works in corporate America, I am hearing from him all of these different things. And so that wasn't a shock to me, but it was a shock to so many people. And I think it's not necessarily that they won't come into the office, but I think as an owner dealing with the pushback 
of this? We're kind of sitting on the reverse side of this in that we never went home. So now pulling people back to the office, we don't have that issue, right? So that's the shock for our leadership team, for our people. We're not having to have that conversation because we never left. But we are in the pretty high minority of businesses are having this challenge in terms of our peer group, our types of business. And the fact that in addition to that, it's a ghost town at their offices, especially if they don't have any storefront situations. Customers don't know they're not at the office. Customers just know they answered the phone. Customers just know that they answered the email. It's not a four-day weekend every week. People are working Monday. People are working on Friday. It's just where they're working. There's a lot of insurance agencies, independent agencies across the country that are going to have the same challenge we have, though, in that they have storefronts still, and they have to have people available if they keep those storefronts open. And that's going to be the next question. Do you maintain your storefront or are you going to be, I don't want to say virtual because you may still have an office, but maybe you don't have a main street office or maybe you don't have a walk-in storefront office any longer. I know I'm talking to agents that are questioning that. Do they move? Do they change their space to fit their new design. There's the reality that we're going to see some of that. I think we have a challenge in that we are a main street business in a small town. We're probably going to have to keep our storefront open. But what does that look like? Is that mean that there's going to be some scheduling and calendaring and almost like shift work? Everyone can't take the work from home schedule on Monday and Friday, not in a storefront environment. It's just physically impossible. So there's going to have to be some scheduling. We're going to have to figure that out and we're going to come up with things along the way that goes, we got to get better at X because we can't do this if we're not better at that. To take this even to the next level, last night I was reading a few articles about an experiment that they did in the UK in 2022 that they're just now finishing up with about 100 businesses, 3,300 employees, and they looked at moving to a four-day work week. And it's absolutely fascinating to me when you look at the statistics of that, and I think they said something like 86 or 88% of businesses are going to stick with it because of the improved level of productivity and the financial benefits of it ended up being so much bigger than they expected. Not only do I see us having challenges in the workplace, I'm starting to think that this may start to happen globally with this push to a four-day work week. Yeah, I read about half of that article, actually, and so I'm very familiar with what you're talking about. And I think that this idea of what type of business are you? Are you open? Because if you're open, then you have to be big enough to schedule different people in different ways. If you're open five days a week or you're open six days a week, or maybe you're open all the time because you're a digital business of some sort. When are your customer support hours? When are these types of hours, various things? You got to be big enough at that point from a company size standpoint to be able to have a scheduling option. If you're a six employee small business, then this gets really hard to think about four day work weeks. And that's where I think independent agents 
efficiencies are going to fall below. Most of them are going to fall anywhere between that 5 to 10, 5 to 12 employee range. And how are you going to do this? To think about a four-day work week versus, say, a flex work environment where you're actually open for business 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, but not everybody's actually working in the office on all five of those days. And for us in independent agencies, I see that as a better option than a four-day work week. And so it's a really, really weird place that I think a lot of agency owners find themselves. On the flip side of that, right now we're in this process of trying to figure this out, right? But I think looking at it from a different lens is this is changing our recruiting pool for our new employees. And this may be good, this may be bad. But if we're in an expensive urban area, we have the opportunity now that we can hire employees in areas where the cost of living is much smaller and not have to pay them as much. Or pay them, give them an incredible opportunity to make more than their local median household income. And you're still potentially not at San Francisco or New York, obviously, or different places that would be very, very high in, which is kind of what we're doing. We're kind of in that lower cost of living environment, but we're trying to pay our people better than the average, which makes us extremely attractive locally. And the other thing that you're saying there that's also true with that is, can you even get them to apply if you don't offer some kind of hybrid in the future? I don't know if they have their options in front of them. They're going to go in the insurance business. They're going to go work for a carrier that's offering this, or they're going to go work for a large regional brokerage or agency that's offering this. Then all of us on that smaller end of the scale will be at a significant disadvantage right off the bat if we don't have a plan for this flex or hybrid work where you're in the office, you're remote, you're kind of back and forth, you're doing this thing, that allows you to be 100% remote if you need to be. We have five people that are 100% remote today out of the 32. We have both, but we also have hybrid. We have people who are working in the office two or three days a week and then at home a couple of days a week. And so the next step for us is, can everybody go hybrid? Is that an option? Why shouldn't Sally and Joe get to go hybrid if Timmy and Sue are already hybrid? And why are they hybrid and these other guys aren't hybrid? And I just really think that this is something that I want to lead correctly here. And it's something that has my attention because acquiring the next generation of talent, it's going to force our hand. I do want to clarify that the five of us that do work 100% remotely, we still get FaceTime. We still come into the home office. We'll spend two, three days a week there, whether it's once a month or once a quarter. We're still getting FaceTime there at our home office with our teams. So I I do want to throw that in because I am seeing that even at a larger corporate level. My husband works for a, a large corporation and now we're starting to have to sync our schedules to make sure that his week where he goes to North Carolina or his week where he goes to Dallas is or isn't the same week that I go to Huntington to make sure that we have time together and we, we don't have this constant travel schedule. 
And so I am starting to see a lot of remote work, but with chunks of FaceTime at the home office where they're quote unquote working. The meetup concept within organizations is going to be extremely necessary and prevalent. And the question is, what does that time look like? Because we do Teams and video. And while it's not the same as face-to-face, I mean, it's pretty good. Quality today is pretty good. There's actually FaceTime and interaction using the tools that we have that's really good, but you still need the in-person time. That in-person time is going to look a little different. Because I don't need you to come to Huntington, and sometimes this happens unintentionally. I don't need you to come to Huntington, sit at a desk, work at a desk, and do exactly the same thing that you would have done if you were in Pensacola. That doesn't make sense. That happens because sometimes we don't plan well or I don't plan well. But really, that time should be spent doing things that we can't do when you're in Pensacola and I'm in Huntington. And that, I think, is going to be something we're also going to have to think about. Exactly what does that everybody together meet up? What is that culture? What do we do about that? How do we make that beneficial so that the cost of travel is worth it? One of our work at home policies that I think is so important is we do have it in writing that you get up and you get dressed for work every day. I think that's important. I think that that's important. And and it's amazing to me how many people that work from home don't do that. And I just don't get the same thing done in my pajamas that I do when I get up and I put my jewelry on and I fix my hair and I put my makeup on. I do all of those things that I would prepare myself the same way to go in the office. So I do think that having some policies in place as you have a remote working staff is, is so important. Another one that we have is that you actually have to have an office. You can't be sitting on the sofa or sitting at the dining room table. You actually have to have a specific dedicated office space with monitors, with a printer, with whatever. And I think that having some of those rules just makes things run a lot more smoothly. What happens here is, and I have a fail on this. I failed on this recently. I was actually traveling. I was in a hotel. There was a day where I was going to work half a day and I failed to do what our policy said. I failed to get up and get dressed and my morning was crap. All right. Just to be speaking plain English. Here It was crap. I got up. I lingered. I drank coffee. I opened my laptop. I didn't get dressed. I'll just go to work on some stuff. Everybody knows I'm out. I'm working, but I'm out. And it showed me why our policy needed to be there. It showed me why this was so important. When you have to get up and get dressed. Now, do you have to get up and get dressed in full three-piece suit? I mean, we don't do that anyway, but what do you have to get up and get dressed doing? Can you get up and put leggings and tennis shoes and shirt on? Yes, but you got to get dressed. You got to get out of the pajamas. You got to get clothes on. Even if it's not 100% of what you would normally do with your hair or with your face, you got to do some percentage. You can't just do 0% of that. I think you would vouch for me on that, that you got to do something. Absolutely. I don't wear shoes. That's my one thing. You know, that's my one thing is on my trip to Huntington, I'm like, oh, I got to wear shoes all day. (laughs) I don't care 
that you don't have shoes on because I can't see your feet and I won't see your feet all day. And so that's okay. But I'm going to know if you didn't put your hair up, you didn't do something, you didn't do something with whatever you would normally do. You got to do something. Guys, brush your teeth. Don't just get up and eat a bowl of cereal and sloppily walk over to your desk. The dedicated space is just as important as getting up and getting dressed. And that dedicated space is super important and makes you so much more productive. So big, big advocate for that. Don't just float around the house. That is not great. I'm not saying you can't go outside on a nice sunny day and work emails, but make sure you're in a spot where you can get back to your dedicated space for video call and be professional. That's something that's got to happen. And if you're an employee that says, hey, I want to do this hybrid work thing, but you're not willing to create a dedicated space, well, then you're not qualified to do the hybrid work. It's okay for us as organizations to say there are some rules here. It's not a free-for-all when it comes to this work remotely concept. I'll tell you something that my husband and I have started doing when we travel that I think has really made the remote work thing work even better is when we stay in a hotel, if possible, and we actually go out of our way to do this, we stay in a hotel that will have a dedicated workspace. In other words, we want to have a bedroom space and we want to have a working space. So whether that's, you know, figuring out if it's a Homewood Suites or whether it's a two-room setup at a Hilton or wherever, we have found that that makes us so much more productive than trying to stay in a hotel room and working at the little desk. When we first started, it was, okay, well, we're going to provide some internet costs. We got to provide a phone. We got to do this. There was extra cost for the company on this remote work kind of environment. And today I've shifted when I'm speaking to these agency owners out there, like it's a benefit. It's a huge luxury to me for someone to have that flexibility to work from home because they're going to lose the commute. They're going to lose the toll fees. They're going to lower their cost and they're going to have internet anyway. So for the company to have to do a bunch of different things, we kind of moved away from that. That's not necessary what we think is the right thing to do. You're getting this huge benefit to be flex or be hybrid. And because you're saving those dollars, if you decide, you know what, I'm going to be remote and I'm going to go on this trip and I'm going to work from the hotel room, then you need to spend that extra little bit of money to actually get that dedicated space environment. And that was my whole point here is you're saving money as an employee to be working from home. I think that's fair. I think that is an employee being fair back to their organization. And I think that's an expectation that us as agency owners and leadership folks in the agency world, I think we can expect that from our people because there's a trade-off there already. That's just something to think about as you go through this. That's a great point because I can tell you my fail was because I didn't have that space in the hotel room. It was because it was the little edge of the desk with the TV on it and the bed was right there. And it's like, I don't know what they think a business class hotel is, but it wasn't dedicated workspace. That's for sure. What do you think is the best piece of advice that you could give to our agency owners that are dealing with this challenge right now based on the success? 
successes and the failures that we've had. It's like a lot of things, like you've got to try it. You've got to, and, and I think the communication is is to tell your people, look, we're going to test this, but I don't have this thing figured out. Policy, the get up and get dressed, the dedicated workspace, having a policy. I love those two things, being in the policy, but you may have more, but I think having a remote work policy that everybody is clear on, that everybody understands will keep you from becoming frustrated. Because here's the deal. You can't see those people and you don't know. I mean, when somebody's sitting at their desk and you walk by, you don't know if they're working. You just assume they're working because they're sitting at that desk and you can physically see them with your eyeballs. When someone is working remote, you can't see them. And you can become very, very quick triggered with, I wonder what they're doing. I wonder if they're working. I wonder, oh my goodness. I mean, so there's so many questions that will pop into an owner or leader's mind when it comes to this remote work thing. So having a policy and understanding and clearly communicating that policy, I think is the best thing that they can start with. The other thing, and I know you said one thing, best advice, but I'll add a second thing here is trust. There's a two-way street on trust and it's not like, you know, the trust is earned. I get it, but you got to extend some trust in this environment. And if you can't trust that person to go into a hybrid environment, you kind of need to see if they're a great fit for your organization. Like, why are you not trusting them? What's wrong? What's caused? Is it you? Are you the problem as an agency owner because you're just not used to this and you like the control of being able to like see everyone? What is the challenge? Because I can tell you trust is one of those things that's different when you can't see the person sitting at the desk, when you don't know if they're working, if they're out walking their dog, if they went shopping. I mean, there's so many things that we can create imagination in our head of, well, why isn't that person answering their phone? How come I can't get a hold of them? I mean, it's really a new world. And I think trust on both sides of the equation is also equally important to policy. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Usain Bolt. The sky has no limits and neither should you. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your end Independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.